All right, what's up, comrades? Welcome to the Left Side of Liberty podcast. Good to be back here with you on this beautiful Friday evening, or afternoon, actually. But anyway, I have another very good show for you with my usual uh, sarcastic comments and thorough political analysis and an anarchist view of the world. And yeah, it's just, it's good to be back, man. So today what I wanted to talk about first, this in the double video breakdown, there are obviously two videos. The first one is going to be from two of my, uh, sort of spiritual heroes, even though none of them are actually, like, involved directly, I should say, uh, involved in religion. Um, I think they, 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 they practice certain, uh, religious traditions, but they, but I'm saying, like, it's not like they're, um, like clerics or whatever. So that is the latest uh, a clip from the latest podcast from Russell Brand, his Under the Skin podcast he has on Reza Aslan, and I respect both of those guys. And they're going to be talking about how it's really weird, and this is something that I've said before on the show, it's really weird that there's this strong uh, presence, I should say, the strong presence of right-wing Christians, especially in America, and how Jesus is supposedly in favor of capitalism and closed borders and, you know, just all this stuff that it's completely the opposite of what Jesus taught. If you actually do this radical thing called reading the text and it's just, it's insanity. So that's what they're going to talk about. And then the next video that I have is a video of Tucker Carlson slamming the Koch brothers, which on the surface, it sounds good, right? And in in some parts it is good. Uh, I I certainly don't, you know, I'm glad somebody on Fox News has the courage to bash the Koch brothers because they deserve to be bashed. But then he does the same thing that he does with uh, Jeff Bezos, because he doesn't like Jeff Bezos, he, and because Jeff Bezos has socially liberal views, same thing with the Koch brothers, he paints these guys as these, like, strident, fervent leftists, when it's like, Tucker, you obviously don't know anything about actual leftism if you think that the Koch brothers and Jeff Bezos are like these super far lefties. He, he doesn't specifically say that. 
But that's the implication. That's what I'm trying to say. That's the implication that I think he tries to make. That's the vibe I get uh, from what he's saying. So... But before we get into Tucker, let's listen to... <clears throat> let's listen to Reza Aslan, who was a guest on Russell Brand's podcast, Under the Skin, a few days ago. And they're going to talk about... Was Jesus pro or anti-capitalist? Here we go. People at the bottom. Look at Jesus. Jesus, it's funny that in the best case scenario, I told you this is my favorite topic. In the best case scenario, a modern Christian, I would hope, says that Jesus wants us to all be equal. That's a beautiful thought. But that's not what Jesus said at all. Jesus never preached equality. Jesus preached the reversal of the social order. Listen to the Beatitudes. Blessed are the hungry, for they shall be fed. Blessed are the poor, for the kingdom of God is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall uh, rejoice. Usually, we end there. Because no one wants to read what he says right afterwards. Because right afterwards, he says, Woe to the rich, for they have received their consolation. Woe to those who are fed, for they shall go hungry. Woe to those who rejoice, for they shall weep. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. This isn't a message of equality. This is a message of the reversal of the social order. Jesus is saying, the rich shall be poor and the poor shall be rich. And you wonder why he was crucified for it. Same with the Buddha. Buddha's do you think in that, just to pick up on that, do you think that's a revolutionary message or do you think that that's a sort of a, uh, an inversion of values, a suggestion that what we value and what we consider to be riches will be inverted? That's a very, that's a very good point. I mean, it's a, it's a really good point. I mean, again, you're talking about a person who was the poorest of the poor. I mean, we always talk about Jesus is poor, but I don't think people understand what that actually means. Jesus was a tecton which for some strange reason we've translated as carpenter, like he's some middle-class businessman with an, <laughs> with an office, like building chairs and stuff, you know? Like, that's, that's not what tecton means. Tecton means um, artisan or day laborer. Jesus was Jesus. the Mexican outside standing of outside of Home Depot. That's who Jesus was. Okay. So I'm going to stop right there. That was a really, really good discussion and the first part of that where Reza is saying that Jesus did not preach equality is a very very important point because oftentimes people like me and people that more or less agree with my political views and economic views we get smeared as you guys want everything to be equal all the time. And that's not true. That's not what I believe in. And that's not what most people of my political and economic ilk believe in. That's a total straw man of, of what we actually want to see in society. So, and even, even Karl Marx never said... I want, you know, let's say uh, you make 55000 Let's just say $55,000 a year. 
I want to get past money at some point in the future, but for the sake of argument, let's just use monetary values for now. Let's say you make $55,000 in a single year. Karl Marx never said, hey, if you make 55000 and another person, like your neighbor, let's say, and your neighbor makes $55,002, yeah, so, so $2 more than you, then that's bad and that's immoral. No, 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 no. That's not what Karl Marx said. And that's certainly not what Jesus uh, was was saying. It's just, again, it's a total straw man. What, what we believe in as anarchists, as socialists, like actual socialists, what we believe in is, uh, especially in the, in the more mutualist school of thought, we believe in mutual aid and support and to basically get out of your labor what you put into it. So if you put in, let's say, I don't know, if you produce $800 of worth of goods in a single day, I'm just making up random numbers, but if you make... in a single workday. So, so like a hundred bucks, you produced a hundred bucks worth of goods an hour in an eight hour workday. So you have that $800. What we say is since you made $800 worth of goods, you should be able to get $800 back. Because that's only fair, because you produced that much. So you deserve to get that, to get a full return on the fruits of your labor. That was Peter Kropotkin's position. That was Pierre Joseph Proudhon's position. You know, th- these guys were more of a mutualist type of school of thought, or at least mutual aid. Like Peter Kropotkin has a book called Mutual Aid, which I have. So. That's what these guys uh, were talking about. And what Jesus was talking about, which Reza pointed out, what Jesus was talking about was reversing the way society is structured. So basically the people at the bottom of the social hierarchy can rise to the top of the hierarchy and hopefully... It will be abolished, you know. So that that's kind of where Jesus was coming from. So the idea that he's this right wing icon is so confusing to me and to a lot of other uh, anarchists. And Reza also mentions Buddha. Not that there are too many right wing Buddhists. I'm just saying that uh, Buddha is another figure where yeah, they wanted a relatively equal society but they wanted but what they wanted was for everyone to have food water shelter health care you know which is exactly what i want i want everyone to be able to have that regardless of their skills their abilities uh how much labor 
they they contribute, you know, because I, I think that we have this view in America of if you don't work, you don't deserve to to survive. And for me, that's morally wrong. You know, it just it goes against my principles. Am I happy if somebody is, you know, just a, a, a lazy slob, you know? It's like, well, as long as they're not hurting anybody, go right ahead. It, it doesn't really make much of a difference to me. Uh, I know that I'm going to work hard, and I know that most people, I, I, I believe, want to work hard and want to pursue their passion and so we say what if you could pursue your passion but you could also not have to worry about paying for food and water and shelter and health care because they wouldn't have a price tag on them and they shouldn't yeah so so that's my position uh on that and uh although you know hard work and things like that that's justified in biblical passages. I think for the most part, Jesus would agree with our system much more than he would agree with, say, a Milton Friedman or Ludwig von Mises system, you know? So anyway, uh, let's get back to Reza and Russell. Come on waiting for someone to, to give him work. That's what he did. He went town to town looking for any kind of work. The Romans used the word tecton as a curse word. Um, so this is about as low as it gets. In each one of these cases, you have people who are trying to reform their own situation, not create a new one. People who are interested more in, in economics and social standing than in any kind of theology. And then finally, they all die. And yes, when they yes. die, what they leave behind is a community that now has to make sense of what just happened. And what do they do? They institutionalize it. We always wonder why, you know, the institution bears so little resemblance to the founder of that institution. Why modern Christianity, if Jesus were alive today, he would have no idea what Christianity is. It would be completely foreign to him. And that's because one is, is an attempt to institutionalize you know, a, a, a prophet's thoughts. And when you do that, you, you necessarily create this distance. So the perennial message, almost like the universal, we could argue, there we, that the essential truth is comparable. And then the process and results by which they are uh, institutionalized and, yeah, and the results of that institution, institutionalization are also, also comparable. Also comparable. So, um, I think that doesn't that sort of, uh, in a sense, highlight the absurdity and also the likely motivation of the idea that uh, religion and politics have to be kept discreet and distinct? Yeah. Because if you were allowed religious and spiritual ideology to fuse politics, it would completely disrupt and overthrow the way that politics is currently, currently governed because economics, fairness, distribution of resources is fundamental, uh, you know, because I'm taking you at your word, to all three of those faiths yeah which is why governments and politics always tries to control religion right the idea that christianity and capitalism have married into a single ideology is grotesque 
that's such a good point from Reza because I I have this view that I've shared with multiple people where I believe that organized religion uh, or religions, I should say, they're essentially political organizations. They have very, in reality, they have less to do with religion and sort of trying to find a higher reality and trying to make sense of things beyond this world. So it, it, it's much less about that and it's much more about political issues um the the right wing can pretend all it wants like right wing christians can pretend all they want that religion is not political but it is it really is like like there was uh a prager you video where dennis prager was complaining that certain I guess left-leaning, at least on economics, uh, clergy in Christian churches were popping up now, and that's bad because, oh, they're making it political. But Dennis, it's already political. Relig organized religion is inherently political. I'm sorry if you don't like that, but facts don't care about your feelings, man. So... I thought that was a really great point by Reza. And I also never thought of it in the way he put it, where he was like, if Jesus were around today, he would hate what people have done uh, with his teachings, that they've institutionalized them and, you know, sort of made them into a political organization and in certain cases, a business, you know, he would hate that. And I never thought of it in those exact terms. So that was excellent. Excellent point from from Reza. And uh, another point that he made is the idea, right before I paused it, that, right, that, that the idea that Jesus would be okay with Christianity and capitalism being more or less intertwined now in America is just totally insane and in his in, in Reza's words grotesque you know I think that's exactly right and that's what Jesus uh, would have thought so conservatives I hate to to tell you this but you're not a lot of you, are not practicing what Jesus preached. At least not on uh, not on economic issues. On social issues, you have a you know you guys have a point. You know the Bible is against homosexuality. Uh, they're against uh, abortion in some parts. Uh, in other parts, God actually rips fetuses out of the stomachs of. Uh, the mothers, I think it's in like Sumeria or something like that. But mostly the Bible is 
anti-abortion. So you have you know a, you have a legitimate point on social issues, but on economic issues you guys aren't anything like Jesus, especially if you're going out there supporting tax cuts for the rich, but at the same time you say, yeah, fuck everybody else. Uh, we don't want uh, health care for them. We can't, we can't afford that. It's like, do you realize how much Jesus would despise that viewpoint? It's like, get out of here, man. You know, so so right wing American Christians, the vast majority of them, or or, or maybe not even vast majority, but 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 a, you know a, a good chunk of them. That's a better uh, term. A good chunk of them are just silly and they're ignorant and they have no idea what's actually in the Bible and what's actually the what are actually the core tenets of Jesus's message. So anyway, this video only has about a minute and a half left. So let's get to it. Reza, Russell, take it away. I mean, if, you know, Jesus's yeah. entire argument was anti-capitalist, right? I mean, that was the whole point. And to think that nowadays we think, oh, well, these two things go hand in hand, right? They're like the same thing. Uh, is, 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 is all you need to know about what we do with, with religion, how religion is about control and institutionalization. Does that mean that there's no place for religion? Again, going back to what I was saying, religion is useful in that it helps us make sense of, it helps us formulate you know what is a, a fundamental part of hu the human condition but i always go back to what the buddha said right the buddha said if you want to strike water you don't dig six one-foot wells you dig one six-foot well islam is my six-foot well but because i just chose it that's why not because it's more right or because it's more correct or more true it's not it's because i want to get that water but what the Buddha meant, and I think this is the important thing, is that the water is the only thing that matters. And the water you're drinking is the water everybody's drinking. Mm. But pick a well. Mm. Thanks for watching. All right, so um, there you have it for that video. So I'm not really going to address much of the stuff that Reza said because uh, I've heard him say the six foot well thing before uh, i'm not really gonna analyze that because you know this is a political show and not a religious or theological or philosophical show so i won't get into that but i like how he reiterated again that that no jesus would not be pro-capitalist you know he would not be pro-capitalist he was if anything Closer to, like I said, closer to Noam Chomsky and Peter Kropotkin and Mikhail Bakunin than he is to, say, Milton Friedman or Ayn Rand or any of those other 
uh, supposed intellectuals, you know, right-wing intellectuals. Yeah. So it's just... I don't know. It's it's silly. But anyway, speaking of silly, <clears throat> we have our second video in the... <clears throat> Sorry about that. My uh, throat's a little dry today. We have our second video to go over in the double video breakdown. And this is Tucker Carlson talking about the Koch brothers and how they have disdain for the GOP and they don't like them and blah, 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 blah. You know, so like I said, credit where credit is due. I'm glad a Fox host is going after the Koch brothers, but in typical Fox News fashion... He's going after them in the silliest way possible, you know, and he's he's just he's not being honest and he's not being accurate or at least not totally accurate. So let's listen to uh, Tucker Carlson reveal what's the title of this video? The truth about the Koch brothers and the GOP. Take it away, Tucker. A college degree. After the ad, of course. <laughs> it won't allow you um, let me see. Okay, sorry about the technical difficulties. Here we go. Charles and David Koch are two of the richest men in the world. Each one of them is worth tens of billions of dollars. Some of their money is inherited. Much of it they made themselves. But to their credit, the Kochs have never been content merely to get richer. They are engaged intellectuals. They have a sincere desire to change the world. So for years, the brothers have been the single most important funders of Republican politics in Washington and the country. The Koch network of donors spends hundreds of millions of dollars every election cycle. Virtually every major conservative nonprofit in Washington takes Koch money, often a lot of it. Koch organizations train political organizers and candidates. Many Republican lawmakers owe their careers to the Kochs and are happy to say so. For people whose main business is making fertilizer and paper towels, the Kochs have been remarkably effective in American politics. And not surprisingly, the left hates them for it. Both the Koch brothers and their families, who by the way are very nice people, have been grotesquely and repeatedly maligned by the media. This in turn has convinced many conservatives that the Kochs must be on their side. Okay. Let me stop you there, Tucker. So, only a minute in, and there's already a couple of things that I have to say about it. So, he's like, oh, you know, the the left hates the Koch brothers because they have a big influence uh, on American politics. Uh, Tucker, guilty as charged, man. Like, what do you want me to say? It's like, what? Um, Now, they certainly donate to Republicans more, way more often than they do uh, the Democrats. In fact, I can't even think of one prominent Democrat that's explicitly taking money from the Koch brothers. So, uh, so, So 
in a way, he's got a point, but again, he, he makes it seem like the Democrats are left-wing when they're really right-wing, but uh, but that's a, a different topic for a different day. But what I'm, 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 what I'm trying to say here is that Tucker tries to paint the Koch brothers as enemies of the media and Tuck, Tucker, here's the thing. The media, I've never heard them say anything about the Koch brothers. I really haven't. So, it, again, it would have been nice if you provided some examples, but I don't know. It's just weird to me that I don't think he does. Maybe he does in this, in this video. I haven't watched it since yesterday. So... That maybe that's not a fair criti uh, criticism, but just in case, if you don't show any evidence, Tucker, first of all, it's hard to take you seriously when you don't present uh, evidence to back up your claims. But also, <sighs> the media are full of shit, Tucker, and you know something about that too, right? You know, because you're you have a tendency to be full of shit yourself. So, you know, don't, don't, but what bothers me about Tucker Carlson is he constantly, and, and rightly so, again, rightly so, he goes after people all the time for being full of shit and being disingenuous, but Tucker, you're the exact same way, man. You're one of the most full of shit people I've ever seen on cable quote-unquote, news. So, stop being a hypocrite, Tucker, you know? But, oh boy. So, even if the media did say something about the, you know, or does say things about the Koch brothers occasionally, they probably don't mean it. They probably wish they could be the Koch brothers. So, anyway, continue, Tuck. Anyone who's been slandered by the New York Times has got to be doing something right. That's the idea. It's not a bad standard, but in this case, in the case of the Cokes. Okay, so, okay, he did cite the New York Times, but he didn't give a specific example. That's what I'm saying. He's like, oh, the New York Times um, slandered the Koch brothers. Uh, Tucker, show me what they said, you know, show me what that article said. Provide me with the context in which they said that, and then I'll make a decision to see if they really, quote-unquote, slandered the Koch brothers. So, again, be specific, man. Be specific. Have concrete evidence to back up your claim, not just these half-assed, oh, well, the New York Times uh, says it. Well, how can we take you at your word when you don't show us the article, Tucker? It's like, my God. Anyway, carry on. Conservatives might want to pause and rethink the relationship. As it turns out, the Kochs don't have much in common with conservatives. They are, in fact, totally opposed to most conservative policy goals. The Kochs are libertarian ideologues. They're passionate and inflexible about what they believe. America first? Oh, my God. Tucker, you're going to lecture people about being passionate 
and inflexible? You work on a network and you work in an industry, cable news, where you have the most inflexible people on the face of the earth that are just there, including yourself, that are just in these positions to do corporate propaganda and propaganda for the two-party dictatorship. That is... So, so coming from you, again, once again, you're just a hypocrite, man. You're a sad, sad hypocrite. So, anyway, let's, let's uh, continue here and let's uh, listen to Tucker rant and rave about how left-wing the Koch brothers are. The Kochs find the very notion of that absurd, if not fascist. An economic policy that seeks to strengthen families? The Kochs denounce that as, quote, crony capitalism or picking winners and losers. They think it's immoral, and they'll tell you so. Controlling our borders? The Kochs consider that racist. A few years ago, in fact, Bernie Sanders noted that the Koch brothers are far to the left of him on immigration. Open. Okay, that's the one part that that's true. Yes, the Koch brothers do support uh, open borders, and Bernie doesn't. And so, so I was actually kind of, I guess, proud, I guess, or, or, or pleased with Tucker for actually not smearing Bernie for once and actually representing accurately what his position is, specifically in regard to immigration. Now, once again, I've said this before. I think that while the state exists, we should have some semblance of border protection, but ultimately I would like to see us get past that and I would like to uh, move to a system of quote-unquote open borders because I believe that people have freedom of movement and that's a very common libertarian position. So... And it's not, by the way, as Tucker uh, alluded to but didn't say, it's not a very common Democratic position either. Because, again, the Democrats are right-wing, so no, they don't support open borders. You know, they're smeared as that because they wanted to be less shitty to illegal immigrants, but being less shitty to illegal immigrants and wanting open borders are two completely uh, different things, and you're just being a disingenuous hack if you think otherwise. So, anyway, let's uh, continue here. Take it away, Tucker. Borders, quote, that's a Koch brothers proposal, Bernie Sanders said, and he was right. But in fact, it's more than a proposal. It's in effect what we have now in this country, open borders. And that's thanks in part to the Kochs. The overwhelming majority of Republicans want a secure border and less immigration. That's why they voted for Donald Trump. Two and a half years later, though, the border is more porous than ever. A tide of humanity is flooding in illegally. Okay, now Tucker does his typical um, anti-immigrant, specifically anti-quote-unquote illegal uh, immigrant tirade that he goes on you know he does this all the time now and tucker there is no crisis at the border you guys fox news and all these other right-wing outlets 
you're making that up. There is no crisis uh, at the border, or there wasn't. Now there is because you're de- you're continuing the Clinton and Obama policies of detaining kids at the border, and Trump is exacerbating it. And so, if anything, that's the crisis that we're taking. Uh, we're, we're splitting up families at the border. And again, this is not just Trump's fault. Obama and Bill Clinton were really bad on this issue as well. So this isn't, you know, a Democrat versus Republican thing. This is, you know, it's, it's objectively true to say that Bill Clinton and Barack Obama were terrible uh, on this specific issue as well. But Again, Trump is exacerbating the problem. So if anything, that's the real crisis in regard to immigration. There is no border crisis. These are asylum seekers that that they're, they're like, oh, these migrant hordes. Are, no, these are asylum seekers. And yes, we can cherry pick examples of, uh, of asylum seekers that didn't go to their hearings to confirm whether they would be granted asylum or not and i'll even concede that that's probably not the smartest thing in the world to do to skip out on those those hearings but that only happened in a handful of cases if you look at just from an empirical perspective immigration is not a problem you know It, it it's not a problem and to the extent that it is we're to blame for that. You know why? The drug war. People are fleeing countries like Honduras and Nicaragua and Ecuador and all, all these countries that have been devastated. Guatemala is another one. Devastated by the drug war. And you have cartels effectively r- ruling over these countries and they're fleeing and then when they come to us for help they say no fuck you yeah or we say sorry we say no fuck you go away you know it's like what that makes no sense that makes absolutely no sense at all it's unbelievable so tucker there is no crisis at the border and no the Koch brothers are not to blame for your quote-unquote crisis you won't you won't hear me very often defend the Koch brothers but in in that specific case yeah tucker again you're being a disingenuous hack so anyway (sighs) continue republicans in congress have done almost nothing to help with the situation why well you can thank the Kochs for that In 2018, Koch-backed organizations, the Freedom Network and Americans for Prosperity, pressured Republicans in Congress to use their limited post-election lame duck session to pass an amnesty for the so-called dreamers. Going into this election, the 2020 race, amnesty remains the Koch's top legislative priority. So if you're wondering why the Republican Party often seems completely out of sync with its own voters, this is why. And it's not just on immigration. The Koch network has also successfully pushed Republicans to join the left in going soft on crime. The Kochs aggressively backed the First Step Act, 
which is currently allowing drug traffickers to leave prison early. They support the Sentencing Reform and Corrections Act that would cut required penalties for heroin and cocaine traffickers in half. Okay, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Tucker, slow down there. First of all, the Republicans and the Democrats have both proposed bipartisan bills uh, on immigration reform and, you know, increasing border security and funding for Trump's bullshit wall. And the Republicans, uh, you know, like Mitch McConnell, for instance, the, the Republicans that have the power to, uh, to, to pass these or not, they block it. Mitch McConnell block, uh, has blocked these, these bills. So what more, like, what do you want? What more do you want from Republicans? You know, they're trying to get Trump his, his wall and, you know, and funding for his wall. But he acts like they're not doing anything at all. It's like, yes, they are, Tucker. Yeah, but it's Mitch McConnell that's undermining that for political gain. And you're right, probably for financial gain as well. I don't know if the Koch brothers specifically uh, donate to Mitch McConnell, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do. But again, it's not all their fault, the, the, the Koch brothers' fault. You know, so it's like... Oh my God, Tucker, you're killing me, man. And you're saying that 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 the Koch brothers have moved the Republican Party to the left? No way. And the one example he gives is, oh, the, the, the First Step Act. Yes, but Tucker, that's a good piece of legislation. And again, it's the only thing other than at least trying to get peace with North Korea until, you know, John Bolton fucked it up. It's the one thing other than the North Korea thing that I give Trump credit for is the First Step Act. And even Cornell West, as I, as I uh, played for you guys before, even Cornell West said, yeah, that's a good policy. The First Step Act is, is a good policy. But Tucker, why is that a bad thing? And it's like, oh, you want to just let drug traffickers out of jail early? Uh, if they were nonviolent, then yes. If, if if they committed a violent crime while trafficking, by all means, put them in jail. Okay? I'm not disputing that whatsoever. What I'm saying is, Tucker, that you... It's not... These should not be crimes. It should not be a crime to sell weed or heroin or cocaine it just shouldn't be uh, a crime so that's what the Koch brothers are talking about and so what if they collaborate with uh with democrats on that specific issue so what you know it's like you 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 guys are the ones that scream about, oh, the Democrats never want to work with Trump and they, you know, we need bipartisanship and blah, 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 blah. Just like the rest of the mainstream media, like, you know, we need bipartisanship. But when there's a bipartisan uh, agreement uh, on certain faction, you know, in certain factions of the Republicans uh, and the Democrats, like Rand Paul is pretty good on drug issues. He's not great, but he's still much better than 
uh, the other Republicans. So his ilk, Rand Paul, Mike Lee, Justin Amash, these guys, uh, I, I welcome them working on Bernie Sanders and maybe Elizabeth Warren and Tulsi Gabbard and, you know, and those types of people uh, on legislation that will free these nonviolent drug offenders, you know. So, Tucker, that's not a problem. You're acting like it's a problem, but it's not. But again, you're just pandering to social conservatives that basically want to be puritanical assholes and, oh, because I don't like cocaine, for instance, and or because I had a bad experience with it, I think it should be banned for everybody. But Tucker, that's just wrong. So the Koch brothers in this instance are actually right and Rand Paul is right and Bernie Sanders is right and, uh, and uh, Tulsi Gabbard is right and Mike Lee is right, you know, because I'm sure that they all support uh, that type of legislation and I'm actually very impressed with Trump for for getting that through and, and freeing these uh, these nonviolent drug drug offenders so Tucker that's not a problem so why you're bringing that up as oh uh, uh, Republicans shouldn't support or shouldn't welcome support from the Koch brothers because uh, they support the first step act well tucker you're way out of touch man because more and more conservatives are coming out in favor especially of marijuana legalization where i think it's like 60 percent of the american people in total want to see uh, marijuana legalization including a majority of republicans so you're way behind in the times, Tucker. I hate to tell you this, but it's true, man. So, anyway, continue. Now, keep in mind, they're doing all of this in the middle of the deadliest drug epidemic in American history. The folks don't even bother to argue that these so-called reforms would help any law-abiding American in any way. They just believe it's the right thing, the libertarian thing to do. So they're pushing for it. On economics, meanwhile, you won't be surprised to learn that the Kochs hold views that bear no resemblance at all to what most Republican voters believe. The Kochs have pushed for cuts to Social Security and Medicare, for example. A vast majority... Okay, okay, whoa, back up, back up. Okay, so first of all, again, we are largely responsible for the drug crisis and the the opioid uh, epidemic you know that's the united states government's responsibility not the Koch brothers you know um so there's that but also he's saying oh uh republicans want to protect social security and medicare and medicaid and the Koch brothers want to cut uh, that stuff. Okay, the voters may want that, but the politicians don't want that, Tucker. You know, that's not true. Uh, that, 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 so you're implying that, oh, the politicians must want that too. No, they don't. No, they don't. Yeah. They, they can talk a good game, like, like Donald Trump, for instance, talks a good game about, oh, the Republicans, 
uh, are the party of protecting Social Security and Medicare and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no. You guys want to cut it at every opportunity you get. You want to cut those programs. As you claim, it's, you know, like Trump said one time, uh, the Democrats want to cut Social Security and Medicare to pay for socialist programs. It's like, <laughs> Don, the people in your own party, they think that those programs are socialist. So basically, in their terms, and now again, they're not actually socialist programs, but in their terms, you're saying we're the Democrats want to pay for socialism with socialism. That makes no sense. You know, so, so th my point on this is that Tucker, again, is full of shit. The Republicans do not want to uh, protect Social Security and Medicare. And, you know, even I would, I would assume a, a fairly sizable chunk, maybe not, of course, not all Republicans, but there are some that, that would also like to see those programs cut, but pretty much all of the Republican politicians also want to see that. So, Tucker, you're just wrong. Or you know what you're doing and you're just lying about it. So, anyway, continue. majority of Americans are opposed to that. Most Republicans are opposed to that. False. Like almost everyone else, by the way, Republicans want lower drug prices. Drugs are expensive and False. getting more so. And yet the Cokes are working to kill a bill introduced by Senators Josh Hawley and Rick Scott. They that is absolutely false no the republicans and the democrats both of them are hugely bought by uh by big pharma they accept massive donations from big pharma i think the last time i checked i think it was marco rubio was the person that got the most money uh, that or that has received the most money from big pharma so it's that's that's not true tucker not true at all so and uh you're saying that uh, rick scott and somebody else <laughs> uh proposed a bill to counter that well great you know but i'd like to see the specifics of that bill and what that bill actually says uh because i'm, I'm a bit skeptical you know sorry tucker but it's you know but i you know you'll forgive me if i have trouble being trouble believing uh that rick scott wants to lower prescription drug prices and again, this is an instance where Trump said he wanted lower drug prices, but then he started meeting with big pharma lobbyists, and then all of a sudden, he didn't want to do that. So, anyway. Prevent drug companies from charging Americans more than they charge the people of Canada or France. That seems like a fair idea to most people. The Cokes are preventing it from happening. Then the Cokes helped draft the 2017 tax cut. 
That turned out to be a far better deal for corporate America than it was for the American middle class. A majority of Republicans support capping interest rates on credit cards and payday loans. The Kochs think that idea is ridiculous. In fact, some years ago when David Koch ran for vice president as a libertarian, abolishing all usury laws was part of his platform. Now, there's nothing surprising about any of this or illegitimate. It's what many rich liberals believe. It's just not what most Republicans believe. And that's a problem, given that the Kochs are the single most powerful figures in the Republican. Okay. Once again, Tucker, what you're saying is false. Republican voters, a lot of like like uh, middle America, you know, working class Republicans. Okay, a lot of them do uh, want to protect Social Security and Medicare. They don't want tax cuts for the rich. You know that that's true. That's very true. But again, the politicians don't want that you know uh that they don't they they don't care about their constituents you know and that's just as true for the republicans as it is for the democrats but the republicans at least make an effort to that they present this facade as if they're fighting for their base so they get their base excited and they convince their base that, oh, we're going to fight for you. Like Trump does it all the time. He gets the base super fired up uh, and excited to vote for him, even though he's done virtually nothing except perhaps two policies that even remotely uh, affect or help regular people in any way, shape or form. So and, and Tucker's right about rich liberals, too. Yes, rich liberals support uh, a lot of these policies, but you're not going to get me to praise rich liberals. No, I hate rich liberals the same as I I hate rich conservatives, you know? So, again, he's painting it as if the Koch brothers are on our side. And, and on social issues, okay, but on economic issues, you're damn right, Tucker, that they're not on anybody's side but themselves. So, anyway. Carry on, Tucker. This video has a minute to go. So let's do it. Republican Party. The Cokes don't seem interested in hearing you complain about that or anything else, actually. Remarkably, they have now joined the left-wing campaign against free speech in America. Next month, the Charles Koch Institute will hold a summit with the Anti-Defamation League and executives from major tech companies, including Pinterest, Airbnb, Patreon, Mozilla. The stated purpose of the meeting is to formulate, quote, best practices on the fight against hate and extremism online, end quote. But you know exactly what that really means. It means censorship of your views. For the left, fighting extremism always entails crushing normal conservatives. That's why Pinterest has censored live action. It's why Patreon banned Milo Yiannopoulos. It's why Mozilla drove out Brendan Eich for the crime of donating to the wrong political campaign. Big tech has become a far greater threat to your freedom than the federal government. The Cooks don't care about that. Nothing Google does violates libertarian orthodoxy. More to the point, the Cooks don't care about Republican voters or what happens to them.
okay, that's fine. No law requiring them to care. But then why are they running the Republican Party? That's a question Republicans should start asking themselves. Okay, so that very last point, like why are you allowing the Koch brothers to control the Republican Party? That is actually something that I agree with. You know, the, the Koch brothers should not be involved in the political process, at least not monetarily. Uh, same thing, by the way, because uh, Tucker did another video going after George Soros. Again, the, the conservatives act as if people like me worship at the altar of George Soros, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates. You know, it's like, no, all of these people... We resent all of these people because they have... and Well, Bill Gates is less... Less... Awful, you know, but... But specifically with Bezos and Soros... These guys... Would hate us because we would threaten... Their power. So... People like Tucker act like people like us... Uh, you know, anarchists and you know the the so-called far left they act like we are the ones that 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 we are the ones that they are serving that jeff bezos and george soros are catering to us when that's not true you know certainly not in the economic sense and again uh i would like to stress that point to tucker that Okay, yes, the Koch brothers are socially liberal. Great. But on economics, they're on the side of the Republicans and in certain cases the Democrats, like the the establishment centristy kind of Democrats. Uh, but no, they are on the Republican side. The Republicans agree uh, with the Kochs. So I... I so... Both Soros and Bezos and the Koch brothers as well, none of those guys should be involved in politics. But to paint the Koch brothers, because you disagree with them on certain things, to paint them as leftists? Are you kidding me, Tucker? Are you kidding me? Yeah, and he tried to do this with, uh, with uh, Jeff Bezos as well. It's like, What? You know, Tucker, again, you don't know anything about leftism, yet you're you're just sounding off as if you know uh, what the left is about. Like, yeah, oh, you got it. You know, that's what I uh, that's what I do in my spare time. You know, I I, I don't read <laughs> I don't read Peter Kropotkin. I don't read Noam Chomsky. I don't read. Uh, Mikhail Bakunin. I don't read Emma Goldman. No, 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 no. Uh, I uh, read from, you know, George Soros's blog. I don't even know if he has a blog. I'm just making stuff up. But, uh, but Tucker, that that's a good point. Yeah, because Tucker, you're making stuff up. So it's like, so it's like, oh my god, you know. Unbelievable. All right. So let's get into the, <clears throat> the forehead.
So first up, this is a story from a few days ago, January 25th. Uh, as, as I did last time, I have three articles from WSWS, uh, and I have one article this time uh, from The Intercept, which is Glenn, Green, Glenn Greenwald's site, which is really good. So, and they do great work. So anyway, this had... Sorry about that. This headline from WSWS, uh, it's by Jessica Goldstein, and uh, she says, Pete Buttigieg's town hall debacle, a Democratic Party golden boy unmasked. And it basically uh, unmasked. There we go. And essentially what it talks about is that uh, the the media's new darling, Pete Buttigieg, because, you know, he's he's gay and he's young and he speaks Norwegian, you know, so, oh, isn't he the ideal candidate? No, he's not. So basically, this article goes through uh, Pete Buttigieg's horrible record on handling police shootings of unarmed people and uh, specifically shootings of black people and so so uh, Buttigieg has been confronted with this issue before or has faced this issue uh, before and it's so funny because the irony is that there was a shooting uh, in South Bend where he's the mayor. There was a shooting of this guy named Eric Jack Logan. And so he's sitting, Buttigieg is sitting in front of a largely black crowd and a working class black crowd and... Uh, he basically just said to their faces, oh, I'm going to hire an independent uh, investigator and, you know, we're going to we're going to look into this and uh, we're going to make sure people's body cameras are turned on. It is, you know, this is really weird. And uh, it says that. Uh, for for a lot of the town hall, Buttigieg was called a liar. So people are not buying uh, his bullshit. So he has a lot of very bad aspects, including how he handles these types of uh, investigation. Uh, an investigation into these incidents. So, and they and they talk here about uh, he supports American imperialism, even though he supposedly painted he's painted by the media as this 
alleged progressive. And again, it's because he's gay and he speaks Norwegian. Ooh, how progressive that is. Oh, how, how great that is. Uh, isn't he such an ideal candidate? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And uh, she says here, the, the author of this article says that this is not just a racial issue. This is uh, uh, this is basically an issue of the powerful being protected by other people in power. So it's the powerful protecting themselves while ignoring the vulnerable working class. That's the point of this article. So this goes beyond uh, just the racial issue, which is what Pete Buttigieg is apparently focusing on. Like, oh, yes, we have to care about, you know, uh, our minority communities and blah, 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 blah. But, but what this author is saying here for WSWS, she's saying, look, man, that... That's not just what we're saying. It's not what we're saying. It, what we're saying here is we are against any kind of police brutality, whether it's against uh, black people, white people, whatever. You know, regardless of race, we're talking about class issues here. And, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about how police often are called into... Uh, to break up labor movements and strikes. And the Democrats, who are supposedly, again, a left-wing party, are very complicit uh, in this, this surge that we've seen in police violence, or at least we're, we're more aware that this violence goes on. So... Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Pete Buttigieg is a disaster of a candidate, which is exactly why the media loves him. So, anyway, next article. So, I haven't addressed this specific uh, issue yet. This is also from a few days ago. Uh, and this is from Bill Van Auken or Auken. And he says, Trump, in, this is also from WSWS, by the way, Trump imposes new sanctions amid continuing war threat against Iran. So that's great. So we have more sanctions uh, on Iran as if they weren't pissed off enough to be uh, pissed off enough at us to begin with now they're going to be even more pissed and uh it was good that as uh this author points out it's good that trump called off uh missile strikes against uh iran just 10 minutes before they were supposed to be carried out uh that's good but it's totally uh, predicated on this false narrative 
that Iran somehow planted mines on a Japanese tanker while uh, the Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was there in Iran talking about diplomatic issues. So yeah, great timing from uh, Iran. And, and, and supposedly it was Iranian soldiers. It's like, yeah, that seems like a really rational and smart strategy when you're dealing with a country, uh, you're trying to deal with them diplomatically, but, oh, let's just, um, let's set up mines and, and, and explode uh, a Japanese tanker when we're trying to uh, to forward to, to forward diplomatic goals with that country. Yeah, that, that that makes sense. Yeah, Iran would totally do that. It's like no, they didn't do that. And even the guy uh, who was the head of the company that built the Japanese ship. Uh, so I shouldn't have said tanker. I don't think I, I don't know if it's a tanker or not. But but who built the ship? He even said, "Yeah, Iran did not do this. This was not, you know, this was not Iran's doing at all." So uh, the. Good news is, I guess, or the better news, is that Iran has basically said that that the sanctions you can try, but uh, it's not like we'll be treated any differently. So basically, what else are you going to sanction? You've already sanctioned of sanctioned us enough especially uh over the past few years and you've had a history of doing so in the past 40 years now i know the the 40 years you know that was the iranian revolution and then there was the hostage crisis so i understand that but in this instance we are provoking them they are not provoking us we pulled out of the iran deal and you know, Iran, aside from a couple of minor, uh, like, heavy water experiments, which are a violation, admittedly. So a couple from, uh, apart from a couple of minor violations at the beginning, Iran has been following uh, the, the agreement to a T, even according to the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency, which is the agency tasked with keeping track of who's following this agreement. And Iran was doing it. So, uh, unbelievable. So, the working people of Iran, they're the ones that are bearing the brunt of this, as, as uh, the author says. Uh, they're the ones that uh, have to pay the price for this. Uh, the uh, Iran's currency has gone down. Its inflation rate uh, has soared from 9% in 2017 to 31% in 2018 and could reach as high as 37% by the end of this year. 
I mean, it's it's insane, and they can't afford basic necessities anymore. The 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 Iranian working class, the the unemployment rate is twenty seven percent. Medicine is, uh, is the 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 medicine supply is being sanctioned by the U.S. Denying people uh, essential drugs, causing early deaths. Like, what are we doing? And there's this new thing with... <clears throat> Sorry about that. There's this new thing that's going on with... Oh, uh, we were in... Uh, we were in international waters. Uh, we, 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 we flew a drone into international waters, and that's not a crime, so we don't know why Iran shot it down. It's like, okay, no... It was in Iranian waters, first of all. But second of all, let's pretend that's the case. Let's pretend that... <clears throat> let's pretend that it was in international waters. You know, just for sake of argument. But even then, it's still close to Iran, and what are we doing even close to Iran anyway? Iran hasn't done anything to us, and they're not going to do anything to us if we would just leave them alone and stop poking them with a stick, you know, and trying to provoke another war, which is exactly what uh, John Bolton and Mike Pompeo and all the other idiots who handle foreign policy in the Trump administration, that's what they want. You know, so, so, you know, congratulations, guys. You got your wish. But for fuck's sake, man. You know, at what cost? You know, at what cost? And that cost, of course, is going to largely fall on the shoulders of the Iranian working class. So, this is unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, we need to get back in that uh, Iran nu nuclear deal immediately. Immediately. I mean, and and it says here that, uh, let's see. It says that Putin is open to a meeting with the Trump administration to work out some sort of diplomatic solution, which I, which I, I totally agree with. I, I think that that's, that that's great. I, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's great. Um, and the uh, deputy foreign minister uh, of Russia, Sergei Ryabkov, he said that these sanctions are illegal and a, quote, a reflection of the deliberate and pur purposeful escalation policy uh, that, that uh, the United States is, uh, is abiding by at this point. And that's a very fair point. Uh, it's, you know, we're deliberately trying to do that, to, to provoke war with Iran, and even Russia can see that. So, 
Unbelievable. And China uh, has come out against this, you know, but because they're, you know, our official state enemies, you know, even arguably even more than Iran, Russia and China, even though they're, you know, our biggest enemies, basically, you know, even they're saying, like, guys, cool it, you know. And even though they're the they're supposedly our enemies, which isn't actually the case, uh, but even though they're our enemies, they're still making legitimate points, you know. So, unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. They shouldn't be our enemies. We should work with Iran, work with China, work with Russia, and not against all these countries. But that's too slow and too uh, and and too much of a serene pacifistic policy for uh, John Bolton and Mike Pompeo to deal with. So. So, how's about that, folks? We might go to war with Iran. That's lovely. So, anyway, moving on. Now, to a story. Now to a story from The Intercept. And this is about uh, Bernie Sanders' uh, support of Lula from Brazil. And I do have to apologize, even though I deleted the videos on my YouTube channel. Uh, I should really upload these episodes to YouTube as well. But the point is, Bernie Sanders uh, called for, uh, has recently called for uh, Lula's release from prison in Brazil because he's basically a political prisoner essentially and what i want to apologize for is i have in the past smeared lula as basically a corrupt asshole and it turns out that a lot of those charges are are excuse the uh slight pun here but they're trumped up man they're, they're, they were trumped up by his opposition uh, in order to discredit him and, uh, and vilify him. And so far, they've done a successful job. So this is from, uh, let's see, a couple weeks ago. This is from June 11th. So 17 days ago at the time of this, uh, this recording of this podcast. So... <clears throat> anyway, let's uh, read. This is from Aida Chavez and Akela Lacey. So the headline, once again, is Bernie Sanders calls for Brazil's judiciary to release Lula in wake of corruption exposure. So they talk about how... Bernie Sanders wants Lula's conviction overturned and Ro Khanna does uh, as well and he wants to 
and he's he's trying to encourage the Trump administration to investigate uh, this particular case that uh, resulted in the imprisonment of of Lula. And basically, uh, it says that the intercept, since uh, it's Glenn Greenwald's news outlet and Glenn Greenwald is from Brazil, the intercept did an expose on this case that showed uh, that Judge Sergio Moro basically was complicit in plotting with the prosecutors in order to convict Lula uh, of these trumped up charges and undermine uh, the success that the Workers' Party was having. So this is all a gigantic conspiracy to undermine Lula. And again, I'm sorry for... um, Uh, for smearing Lula because it even says in this article that Lula in fact lifted millions of of Brazilians out of poverty during his tenure in office so it's it's insane so it also goes on to say that <clears throat> that Moro is now the current president, Jair Bolsonaro. Uh, this Moro guy is his justice minister. So this is just this is the real corruption going on in Brazil. Unbelievable. So it talks about how uh, Bolsonaro has been embraced by Donald Trump. And he's even visited the White House, which I've seen pictures before. Uh, And it's just, it's insane, man. And... It basically, oh, and The Intercept also has uncovered uh, secret documents that basically say that in private, prosecutors actually have serious doubt as to whether or not there there was evidence that was sufficient enough to prove that Lula was guilty of corruption. And, uh... This was called Operation Car Wash, and uh, Lula, who started, he, he was his first term as president began in two thousand two, and in two thousand six, or sorry, sorry, no, 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 in twenty seventeen, I'm sorry, he was reelected in two thousand six, in twenty seventeen. He was found guilty of money laundering and uh, accepting bribes from construction firms. And he was sentenced to 10 years in prison. And that resulted in him obviously 
being kicked out of Brazil's presidential race. So uh, he was high, he was highly projected to win the race. By the way, he still had strong support uh, from uh, Brazilians, but Bolsonaro and Moro and all these corrupt prosecutors as well got totally uh, in in bed with each other and just colluded against Lula. So, and then uh, Lula, as Michael Brooks pointed out, uh, Lula was basically banned from talking from his jail cell about politics and talking to the public uh, until very, very recently. <coughs> so, there's... Uh, the, it ends with uh, the fact that there's, uh, according to The Intercept, there's increasing calls for Moro to step down from his position as the Minister of Justice for Jair Bolsonaro. And they want this guy Moro suspended and uh, they want him further investigated. So... Again, once again, I'm sorry, Lula, for for smearing you. And you know where I actually got a lot of information about him on was uh, was there was a PragerU video called Socialism Ruined My Country, which um, was a, this, like, Brazilian journalist or whatever, this right-wing Brazilian journalist blaming Lula for Brazil's economic woes. And, in fact... Uh, and also, you know, claiming that he was, again, a corrupt asshole when the uh, these charges were trumped up by the right wing in Brazil. So, obviously, can't mention that on PragerU, but these were, in fact, very flimsy charges. And it's not at all clear that Lula was involved uh, in any of these Uh, operations like Operation Car Wash he wasn't involved there's very flimsy evidence behind it you you can't really tell and he's also done a lot to lift millions of Brazilians out of poverty a record number of Brazilians uh, out of poverty so for the third time I'm sorry Lula and now I'm officially on the Lula Livre uh train if you will so yes lula livre get this guy out of prison right now and put higher bolsonaro and his moro buddy put these guys in prison man because they deserve it far more than lula does so anyway let's get to our last story here which basically i it was interesting Uh, It's from about a week ago, and it highlights all these workers' uh, struggles that are going on right now all around the world. So, so there's, in India right now, there's... uh, 
uh, about 800,000 doctors in India that are on strike right now. And the working conditions, basically they're protesting because the working conditions are awful and that they're being verbally and physically abused by people. I don't know if it's from patients or... I don't know. But... Uh, it says that uh, doctors uh, in outpatient care in India are forced to see at least 100 patients a day. That's insane. And they only spend 1.4 percent of their GDP uh, on healthcare and that was as of 2017-2018 so it's one of the lowest proportions of GDP uh, in healthcare uh, in the world and there's also even more strikes there's daycare uh, strikes in the Telangana yeah Telangana state in India and basically it's they want higher salaries and uh, oh a labor union is actually doing its job and the CITU the Center for Indian Trade Unions has actually had a huge hand in organizing these uh, these demonstrations so good going So, and then others are employing a lot, are protesting a lack of employee or employment insurance. So, this is insane uh, that they can't. And there's also uh, electric workers that are protesting in the same state. So, that's uh, India. And in Pakistan, uh, professors are uh, boycotting uh, exams. They, they refuse to give. Uh, they're refusing to give exams to their students because their jobs are not protected. They they want permanent jobs and they want more promotions and they want medical leave and. Uh, they want that there's this thing called an allowance plan and they want those plans to be more to be more all-encompassing and more uh, official I guess um, and they're also shutting down the response from the Pakistani government uh, in regard to the protests. So, unbelievable, man.
And then uh, there's a flight attendant strike now going on in Taiwan. And then moving on from Asia, there's in Australia, there's uh, Sydney Harbor ferry crews that are going on strike. And it says, again, so they've done this uh, before, that these workers want higher wages. They want more permanent full-time positions. You know, that's, you know that, that's obviously very reasonable. They want higher wages. Uh, more regular shifts. You know, these are pretty reasonable requests. And, oh, wow. There are no permanent jobs in uh, Sydney's ferry services. That's insane. And the and the company was like, "Oh yeah, we're looking into it." Yeah, bullshit. So, unbelievable, man. Uh, Qantas. That's that's another uh, Australian one. Qantas. Uh, there's. Uh, a worker that got fired from the airline for <clears throat> organizing uh, a strike and they're basically protesting working conditions on certain planes and uh, so he got fired for it and in New Zealand <clears throat> 4,000 uh, healthcare support workers and nurses for elderly and disabled people went on strike for four days, actually. They went on, they, they went on strike for four days, and now, uh, let's see. So now that's what they're doing, and they, they protested back in May, and basically they want... Uh, they basically want just a fair pay increase. That's that's really all they want. And the company that, that's in charge of this, or the organization that's in charge of this, is basically saying that, oh, yeah, we'll give them, you know, a, a 25% increase. You know, I, I, I don't know about that, but... Uh, it's it's a disaster, and there's also also in New Zealand there's a uh, retail strike. So they so workers in uh, department stores throughout New Zealand uh, have recently uh, protested for a living wage and 
they don't like their performance evaluations, which they say uh, that, that they're not that they're a total scam and that they're not rewarded with higher pay for stronger performance. You know, so these evaluations are just acts of pure fraud. So, you know, I, I think it's it's great that all these strikes are happening uh, around the world. It's sad, but it's good that people are finding the strength to stick up for for themselves and their basic rights as human beings and they they need they want their basic needs met and of course uh to some people that's an unreasonable uh thing to want but for me it's beyond reasonable and in fact it's a goal of mine that workers be treated fairly and they get what they deserve and they get out what they put in the ultimate goal of course being democ- uh, d- the democratization of the workplace so anyway that wraps it up for me today I hope you enjoyed this podcast and if you like it be sure to <clears throat> To like me uh, on Facebook, uh, like this page on Facebook, and <clears throat> I also have an Instagram that I don't use very much. It's at uh, TLSOL Podcast. That's the uh, Instagram account, and the Facebook page is the Left Side of Liberty Podcast and YouTube channel. So find. Uh, so find me on there, like my page, and share it uh, with your friends or workers that may want to be inspired to get organized and get out there and fight for their basic rights. So uh, share it with your friends, share it with your coworkers, share it with whoever, but spread the word, man, because these movements need to keep happening because... Working people need to lay down the law and they need to stand up for their dignity and they need to send a clear message that, hey, we're not going to allow people to to push us around anymore. So, you know, we're human beings. We have our basic rights. We have our dignity we want we we want to satisfy those and we deserve that and i totally agree so anyway that wraps it up for me and i will see you next time here on the left side of liberty podcast